In our last year, what we spoke about was the whole discussion that the Gemara has on Masech HaShabbos, that if you whether there's a din of Shvisas Kelem. Shvisas Kelem means we know I, as an individual, am not allowed to do work on Shabbos. I'm not allowed to have my children do work on Shabbos. Nobody in my house is allowed to do work on Shabbos. The question then becomes, do I have to make sure that my utensils don't do work on Shabbos either? And the Gemara comes to the conclusion that that is not a prohibition. So the Gemara passing is like Beis which is of the opinion that I'm allowed to put the fabric into the dye, even though I know that throughout the duration of Shabbos that is going to set in and become more and more deeply dyed into the fabric over Shabbos, that would be okay. Similarly, says the Gemara, I'm allowed to set up the traps before Shabbos, even though I know that over the duration of Shabbos, work is going to be done with my traps, with my systems that I set up, that would not be a problem. There would be no prohibition because there is no, there is no issue of shvisas kelim b'shabbos. I am not allowed to do work. Members of my family are not allowed to do work. I'm not allowed to send others, Jews or non-Jews, to do work for me. However, if it's something that happens by itself, that is something that potentially is permissible. And from there, we extrapolate it to the modern-day example of a Shabbos clock, where Moshe talks about basically this Gemara being a precedent for that entire discussion. Okay. Then we move a little bit further. If you look here on the second page of the, of the sheets that I gave out, if you look here on the second page, number tests, the Gemara then quotes in Masechah Shabbos, Dav Yudches Amid Aleph. Poskimayim Legina Meir of Shabbos. We were told in the Mishnah that you were allowed to set up a system <coughs> where you have water that is being poured before Shabbos, and then over the duration of Shabbos, it goes out into the irrigation system that you have and it waters the entire field. Says the Gemara, you're allowed to do that. Listen to the following case. You're not allowed to put wheat into the windmill that's going to go by itself on Shabbos. So the only way that I'm allowed to put wheat into the mill to be grinded on Shabbos, to be ground on Shabbos, is if it's going to be completed before Shabbos begins. But if your intention is that you're going to leave it in for the entire Shabbos and it's just going to go by itself, either by the wind or by water that's trickling down onto it and keeps the mill going, that would not be permissible. And this is very confusing. Didn't we just finish saying I'm allowed to set up all of these mechanisms before Shabbos and have them running? I'm allowed to set up the irrigation system. I'm allowed to set up the thing that's going to dye the clothing. I'm allowed to set up the mechanism where I'm going to trap the animals. I'm allowed to have a Shabbos clock going. All of these things are allowed. So how can it be suddenly when it comes to the windmill that I would not be allowed to set that up before Shabbos? All I need to do is put the weed in and then everything is going to happen by itself. As long as it happens by itself, isn't that permissible? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves as we read this Gemara. And the Gemara then tries to figure out what exactly this is all about. Says the Gemara, perhaps the answer is that even Beis Hillel, who says that you would be allowed to have your utensils doing work for you on Shabbos as long as everything's happening by itself, says the Gemara, according to Beis Hillel, he would still say that the windmill is the exception to the rule. Why is the windmill not allowed? So now the Gemara introduces us to an entirely new concept that is referred to as Avsha Milsa. Avsha Milsa means when the windmill is going to be doing the action, when the windmill is going to be crushing up the wheat, that is going to make a lot of noise. It doesn't happen quietly. It's not that the wind blows it and it just goes by itself. It makes a lot of noise. You hear as it's cranking, you hear as it's moving. And because of that Avsha Milsa, because it makes so much noise, we have to be concerned that maybe someone is going to hear 
and someone is going to think that you are doing malacha yourself on Shabbos. Nobody knows that you set up the system before Shabbos. All they know is they live a few houses down, they hear a lot of noise coming from your property, and they assume that you are doing work on Shabbos itself, and therefore says the Gemara, even though Beis Hillel is normally of the opinion that my utensils are allowed to do work for me on Shabbos, when it comes to something that makes a lot of noise, Beis Hillel would say, you are not allowed to engage in such activity, even though the whole system and mechanism was set up before Shabbos began. Okay? Now this is going to bring us into an entire discussion. First of all, the first thing we need to know is, is that the way we paskin? Do we accept that Gemara or not? That is subject to a dispute between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. For all the Sardim who are in the room with us, you are in good luck because the Shulchan Aruch does not accept this specification of the Gemara. Shulchan Aruch says, the Gemara tells us that bottom line, there's no prohibition of Shvisas Kalim B'Shabbos. I don't have to worry about my utensils doing work on Shabbos. And what does it matter if my utensils are doing work that make noise, that don't make noise? The bottom line is, I'm not doing anything. So as long as it's all set up in advance, as long as it's all doing the work by itself, and it doesn't require my involvement, there is no problem, and it doesn't matter how much noise it makes, it will be permissible regardless. The Ramah disagrees. And if you look over here, in number Yud, the Ramah says, Hachi nahug lechatchila. Lechatchila. We are machmir, Ashkenazim are machmir, and Ashkenazim say, even if you have everything set up before Shabbos, and even if all the systems are working, however, says the Ramah, if it's going to make noise on Shabbos, then you are not allowed to use that system because someone is going to think that maybe you are doing malacha and says the Ramah, miu b'makom p'seida yesh lahakil. Says the Ramah, we try to be machmir, we try not to set up a system that's going to make noise on Shabbos. However, says the Ramah, if it's b'makom p'seida, then you could be makil. Now, this is a general question that we need to ask ourselves. What does it mean when in Shulchan Aruch we have this concept, you have it in Yeridea, Sometimes the Shulchan Aruch says in Yeridea, if you have, Yeridea is the area of Shulchan Aruch that talks about kitchen issues. What happens if you have milk and meat and things get mixed up and where you use this pot, that pot, this spoon, that spoon, this knife, the other knife, all of that is in Yeridea. Okay. Sometimes in rare cases in Yeridea, you have an example where we say, this is not supposed to be eaten, but if it's going to cost you a lot of money to dispose of it, to throw it out, then you're allowed to eat it. What does that mean? All of a sudden, the religion is all about money? All we care about is about money? Is it kosher or is it treif? How do you understand that? So the Ramah actually has to explain himself. What does it mean here when it comes to Hilchah Shabbos? And what does it mean in other places when we have the same concept? That there are times in Halacha where we are willing to make a concession because we're afraid that someone's going to lose too much money. So lose your money. Too bad. After all, we have the Gemara Masecha Shabbos. What does the Gemara say in Masecha Shabbos? The Gemara tells us we have a prohibition of Amira the Nachri. Amira the Nachri means, I'm not allowed to do work on Shabbos, that we know. Am I allowed to have a non-Jew do work on my behalf on Shabbos? Also not. Why not? What's the problem? Big discussion for its own time. But Amira the Nachri is prohibited on Shabbos. Now says the Gemara, what happens if somebody has a situation where their house is burning down, God forbid? House is burning down. And this is a somewhat fictional story because it is impossible that a house would ever be burning down and it wouldn't also pose a danger for other people or to spread somewhere else. So imagine to yourself, you have a house on a desert island and nobody's going to get hurt. If we see the fires coming too close to us, we'll jump into the ocean, whatever, whatever. Again, the story is not realistic, but the Gemara gives the possibility. So the Gemara says, let's say you have a fire 
It's not going to spread, and it's not dangerous for anyone. And I see my entire house is about to go up in smoke. So, am I allowed to put out the fire? Shabbos, you're allowed to put out the fire? No, why not? I thought yes, because you'll have a huge monetary law. Absolutely not. It's a malacham Shabbos, mechabit. Of course you're not allowed to put out the fire. Oh, well, I didn't get there. My first question is, am I allowed to put out the fire? The answer is unequivocally no. Don't make a mistake. If there is any potential danger, not immediate danger, but any potential danger that can come from this fire, which is always the case nowadays, the way our communities are built, where you have houses next to each other and it could spread very easily, don't take chances. Put out the fire. It's pikuach nefesh or a potential pikuach nefesh. Of course you put out the fire. What I'm talking about here is in this story, which is an unrealistic story, where you have somebody on a desert island where no one's going to get hurt, where no one's going to get damaged, the only thing that's going to happen is my property is going to be completely destroyed. Am I allowed to put out the fire? The answer is no. That's a malach. Ask the Gemara, can I say, can I call the fire department and ask a non-Jew to put it out for me? Says the Gemara, no. That would be a isra violation of Amir al-Nachri. Now, the Gemara does say, if a non-Jew, good Samaritan, comes along and starts putting out the fire on his own, I don't have to stop him. He can do what he wants. But for me to initiate, for me to say, go put it out because I don't want to lose my property, that would not be allowed. What do you see from there? How much is my house worth? A lot. A lot. A million dollars. How much is a house in Teaneck where you live? In the Heights. What? The Heights? Not a building. <laughs> a building in the Heights is up in smoke. It costs millions of dollars, right? And yet, you gotta let it burn. What do you mean? Don't we say every once in a while, b'makom p'seda, b'makom hefsed meruba, we are willing to be mekel. So why is it when you have the fire in the house on Shabbos, no room to be mekel, you gotta let the house burn. And all of a sudden, when it comes here, we say, well, the Ramah says, really, you should be careful. If you set up a system before Shabbos and it makes noise, then we try to make sure not to set it up. You shouldn't be doing that. But if it's b'makom p'seda, you're gonna lose a lot of money, then we allow it. Well, what kind of business is that? How can that be? We're going to bend the rules because of money. We don't generally bend the rules because of money. So where do we decide when we should bend the rules because of a makam hefsid and when not? It's a good question. It's such a good question that the Ramah himself asked the question. The Ramah writes in his Hakdama to the Sefer Torah Chatas. The Ramah wrote a Sefer on Yeridea and in the introduction to that Sefer he has to explain to us what his methodology is. So the Ramah over there says, what is this? Why is it that every once in a while in halacha you find this strange loophole where we'll say that because someone's going to lose money, we are willing to bend the rules and we're going to say that the halacha no longer applies. How does that make sense? You got it? Everyone's with me on the question? Here's the answer. Says the Ramah, let's read it together, number Yud Aleph. This is such an important Ramah and so many people don't know it. I only know it because when I was in my father's shir for Yeridea, my father quoted this all the time. But it's a very important fundamental Ramah to understand. How does halacha work when it comes to a hefzid merubah? Why is it that when somebody is about to lose a lot of money, we are willing to bend the rules? What is that about? Says the Ramah. Says the Ramah. I'm concerned that maybe as somebody's reading through my sefer, they're going to wonder, what's with this Ramah over here? What is this? Like all of a sudden it comes to losing money and all... You know, all bets are off. Like, you just do whatever you want because you don't want to lose money. That can't be. Vuhu, and here's the explanation. kasafti. I wrote from time to time, I wrote from time to time that you have a right to be mekel 
Behefsin Merubah, Ola Ani Bedever Chashev, Ola Chvot Shabbos. So the Ramah writes in certain places that you could be Mekel when it's Kavot Shabbos, you could be Mekel by Hefsin Merubah. What is that all about? Vuhumitam explains the Ramah, what does it mean? Kiba'osan Amakomos are nearly. In those particular scenarios, the Ramah explains, Ki Heter Gummer Aliba the Hilchasa. I really feel, says the Ramah, that the halacha should be, this is entirely permissible, all the time. However, out of respect to the Rishonim who say that this is not allowed, I suggest that we should be machmir on a regular basis. But when you have a Hefzid Merubah, we go back to the original. What is the original? The original halacha was that there is no obligation to be machmir at all. Does that make sense? So take this as an example. Our Gemara says, that setting up a system before Shabbos is not a problem. Then the Gemara says, setting up a system that makes noise might be a problem. That's a contradiction. Right? Why do I care if it makes noise? Says the Gemara, well, if it makes noise, that's going to be different because people are going to hear. How does it come down to the halacha? Half of the Rishonim say, we don't care about that second statement. We go back to the first, which is, as long as you set up the system before Shabbos, not a problem. That is the way the Svartim hold. That is why Svartim are not concerned about this whole halacha because they follow the original psak of the Gemara. Ashkenazim generally have adopted the position of the other Rishonim. Now says the Ramah, why is it that by a Hefzid Merubah I'm willing to be Mekel? The answer is because really I believe the Shulchan Aruch is right in this case. Really I believe that half of the Rishonim who say, none of this is a problem, that is really the way we paskin. Just out of respect to the Rishonim who say, this might be a problem, I say on a normal Shabbos try to be Machmer. But if you have a Hefzid Merubah, if you have extenuating circumstances, then you revert back to the Iker Adin, which is, this is not a problem. If anyone didn't follow that, it's totally fine. Just, we're going to move on. You don't have to worry. We're going to move on from that. But it's just very important to be aware of that understanding because it will come up in other areas of Halafa as well. And it may help you have a little bit of a context to appreciate what exactly it means. Yes? No, no, no. We continue with a tshuva and Reb Moshe. If we assume, like the Ashkenazim do assume, that Hashmas kol is in fact a problem, when you have a system that makes noise, even if it was set up before Shabbos, it is still a problem, how exactly do you define noise? This is a classic halachic question. How do you define what's considered to be noisy? Yeah? How are you going to put a measure on that? So, how noisy is considered noisy, and how noisy is not considered to be noisy? That's a question. What is Exactly the question. Says Rav Moshe Feinstein about an alarm clock. Look here, number Yud Beis. Everyone with me? Rav Moshe, Arachayim Chelek Dalad, Uleyin Yid Lahamid Sha'on, Sheyeshbo Dabar Hamitzaltzel, Lefneha Shabbos, Al Hazman, Sheyitzaltzel Shabbos Baboker. I'm going to set up a system before Shabbos where I'm going to have the alarm clock ringing on Shabbos morning. Now, is that allowed or not? Isn't that a classical case of something that was set up before, but is making noise on Shabbos. That's what the alarm clock is made for, to make noise. So am I allowed to set an alarm clock on Shabbos? I'm sorry, an Arab Shabbos, that it should ring Shabbos morning. What would you say, Ayala? So what does it matter? Does it matter that nobody outside of my house? Or does it matter outside of my room? So that's exactly where Ramosh is trying to define. What is considered to be noisy? Says Ramosha here. As long as nobody outside of your room is going to hear it, which normally an alarm clock doesn't have to be blaring loud. You don't want the whole house to wake up. So as long as nobody outside of your room is going to hear it, says Rav Moshe, that would not be a problem. And the same if you look in the next entry, of Shlomo Zalman writes about sending a fax on Shabbos or receiving a fax on Shabbos, says Rav Moshe, 
if the fax machine is in a room and it's not going to wake up the whole rest of the house, it's just going to make noise in one room that it's operating in, says Rav Shlomo Zalman, that would not be a problem. So the way they are defining noisy is if somebody outside of the confines of this room would be able to hear, then that is something that we should not do on Shabbos. However, if it is limited to the people who are in this room, everybody in the room is aware of what's going on, and therefore Moshe says that would not be a problem. One very guiding principle in all of this is the Tzitz Eliezer. Look at the Tzitz Eliezer and he says, if we have something, I put it on here as well, number Yudalit, if you have something that everybody knows was set up before Shabbos, nobody would question whether or not this was done on Shabbos itself, says the Tzitz Eliezer, there would certainly not be a problem. So the Tzitz Eliezer is actually addressing a Shabbos clock for the lights. And he says a Shabbos clock for the lights, everybody knows the lights are going to go on, lights are going to go off, but we're already accustomed to this. Nobody's going to think that you're making a mistake. Nobody's going to think the lights are being turned on and off. Everybody knows that Jews use Shabbos clocks on Shabbos. And therefore the Tzitz Eliezer said, that is the guiding principle. Any time that it is clear to anyone who's walking by that this was something that was set up beforehand, there would be no prohibition, there would be no issue even to discuss. The reason why an alarm clock is not so clear is because when do you normally set an alarm clock? When you go to sleep. So if Shabbos starts at 4 o'clock, the normal time for me to set an alarm clock is 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning when I go to sleep. Correct? And that's why an alarm clock is a little bit more of a question. And that is what Ramoshan and Shlomo Zalman are trying to figure out what is considered to be noisy. That's why that's different. However, says the Tzitz Eliezer, the guiding principle is if this is something that everybody knows is set on a clock, that would be something that would not be an issue. Sometimes you have people who are in Israel for the year and they think it's very cute to leave messages on their parents' home phone. How many of you have done that? Seminary for the year? Don't be embarrassed. It's fine. I mean, now I'm going to send voice. Right, so we don't really have, many people's houses don't even have a machine. But it used to be, when I was growing up, and I think when probably all of us were growing up, we did have a machine in our home, and everyone was sitting eating the Shabbos meal, and it was like so cute that the sibling who was in Israel was able to leave a message. They don't do this in LA? No? The sibling who was in Israel left a message in the middle of the meal, everyone heard it, very sweet, very nice, really cute, very sweet. The question is, is that allowed or not? After all... I have an answering machine in my house that's making a lot of noise on Shabbos. So what would you say? I'm not making the noise, but I'm not making the noise on the windmill that's running itself either. Okay. Maybe I have to turn my machine off before Shabbos begins. Set it up before, however, setting up before, but it makes noise on Shabbos is not allowed. We just said that in the Gemara. The Gemara says, the Ramaz Machmir, that if you set up a system of four and the windmill is going to make noise on Shabbos, you're not allowed to have it running on Shabbos even though I'm not doing a thing on Shabbos. I think so. I think if somebody... Outside of the room. Rav Moshe says, if you can hear it outside of the room, sometimes an answering machine you definitely hear outside of the room. So what would you say? What would you say? Says the Shmir Shabbos Gachasa, think about it for a second. Think about it. What's the answer? Anybody who hears an answering machine knows what? What do they know? They know that I'm not doing anything by definition. The fact that somebody's leaving a message in my house means I'm not talking on the phone. It means I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not doing anything. The only way that a message is left on Shabbos is if somebody else is calling me. Nobody's going to think I'm doing a malacha. 
If you have a situation where nobody thinks you're doing a malacha, then there's no discussion to even be had. You don't even get off the ground. And therefore he says, there's no reason to be machmer to turn off the answering machine before Shabbos begins, because even if someone calls, and even if they leave a message, and even if the entire block hears it, nobody's going to think that I'm doing a malacha on Shabbos. Everyone's going to understand that somebody called my house, and somebody's leaving a message on my machine, but I'm not doing anything. And therefore, the discussion doesn't even begin. Now, we're going to go through a number of different items that are all very important to be aware of. So let's begin with mikarer. What is a mikarer? Refrigerator. So let's see. Let's see where Shlomo Zaman Arabach writes in the Mincha Shlomo about a refrigerator. Mevur b'shulchan aruch. B'bnei shahakol yodim sheregilim l'sakna b'chol yom al yom shalacharav uviyom shuhu mikashkei shemashmiya emesakna noso. Lashon ha-darki moshim ar-arzaruav. Atam zashayach shapir gamim mikarer Says Ramosha, how am I allowed to have a refrigerator running in my house on Shabbos? Don't we know that the refrigerator makes noise, that the motor starts running? How can you have an air conditioner running in your house on Shabbos? Of course, you said everything before, but anyone who walks by your house is going to hear the machine going. Everyone's going to hear. What's, what are those things outside of the house called? Compressors, fans, whatever they are. Everyone's going to hear them making noise. So isn't someone going to think you're making a malacha happen on Shabbos itself and it's making a lot of noise? <coughs> that should be exactly the problem. Says our Moshe, everybody knows that I don't go to sleep at night and unplug my refrigerator and then plug it in in the morning. Everybody knows I don't turn on the air conditioner and turn it off every five minutes. You set the air conditioner, it goes, it's on a system. Everybody who walks into your house knows. Everybody who walks by your house is aware. And therefore, says of Shlomo Zalman, there is no reason to be concerned about a refrigerator and no reason to be concerned about an air conditioner. So we're lucky. We're lucky. Because what would be the case otherwise? I would have said an air conditioner would be a perfect example of something that should not be allowed on Shabbos because it's exactly the same as the windmill. After all, the windmill is outside, makes a lot of noise as it's going around. I set it up before Shabbos, but yet... I'm not allowed to use it on Shabbos because it makes noise. The difference is somebody who hears my windmill thinks I'm doing malach on Shabbos because it's not normal to set that up before. But somebody who hears my refrigerator going or somebody who hears my air conditioning does not have a problem. Let's say you go to a hotel. I'll take your question in a minute. Let's say you go to a hotel and you arrange with the concierge beforehand that you would like a wake-up call in the morning. People still do that? Right? You don't want to sleep through. You close the shades. Sometimes hotels have the blackout shades. Amazing. Really going to sleep well, but I got to wake up at some point. So I make up the night before that I want the concierge to call me the next morning. So if you do it on a Tuesday morning, great. Are you allowed to arrange before Shabbos that the concierge should call you on Shabbos? What do you say? then he might actually answer. That's an interesting consideration. Okay, so let's see. Number Yud Zion here is actually from the Sefer Kovitz Halachos. Kovitz Halachos is a contemporary Sefer that just came out over the last five or six years. It is written by a great Talmud Chacham in Flatbush. His name is Rabbi Daniel Asher Kleiman, who is a Talmud of Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky. And he went over many, many different practical Halachos with Rabbi Shmuel, he wrote Rav Shmuel's Pesachim on the top, and he wrote his entire interpretation on the bottom, which is phenomenal, really beautiful. So here, he gets into this question, where he asks Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, Sheirus Yitzika Otomate Derech If I arrange with the concierge to have a wake-up call, 
by phone. But often shemachnis bakashasa lemachshev. He says, some hotels, I guess you can type it in on a computer and say, tomorrow morning I want to wake up Paul at whatever time. And basically, it will automate a call to my room when I need it. And I'm going to wake up because the phone starts ringing in the morning at the time that I arrange for it. He writes that this is permissible. I don't you say that this is a zilzal Shabbos? Don't you say that this is a terrible thing to do? He says, no, it's no different than an alarm clock, which he says would be permissible. It's the same thing as having what the Shmir Shabbos Kachasa writes. If someone is calling your house, I don't have to unplug my phones before Shabbos. Why? Because everybody knows, naturally, if someone's calling my house, it means somebody else is calling. I'm not doing malacha. Nobody thinks I'm doing malacha. So here, he says there would be no concern at all, even though it makes a lot of noise. And therefore, he says, there would be no problem. Look at the last line, because I think it's very sweet. He says, It could be, Maybe if you're going to order the concierge to not just call you, but to play music in your room in the morning when they wake you up, then he says, maybe that is not permissible. Maybe that's something that is not right. Why? Because after all, that sounds like you're playing music on Shabbos. And not everybody who walks by would be aware of the fact that it's just an alarm clock. So therefore he says, if you're just going to call and ask them to have an automatic wake-up call in the morning, not a problem. Why? Because anybody who would hear the phone ringing would be understanding of the fact that it's not you doing a malacha, it is a third party that is trying to call your room. You're not picking up. Now Ayala raised a good point, maybe there's still a problem of the fact that I'm going to get so annoyed, I'm going to end up taking it off the hook. I don't know, that's a good... That's the very exclusive fancy Shabbos clock. So regular, regular clock is just it goes right. So that's that's the question here. But I do say that if you have, let's say, what most of us would do is to set an alarm on your phone. So it depends what kind of thing you're going to set. If you're going to set an alarm that sounds like a normal alarm, that's one thing. But he writes over here. I think a good point. If you're going to set an alarm as people do, that's going to play music in the morning. It's something to think about because somebody who hears it is not necessarily going to know that you have not turned music on on Shabbos. They're going to hear music playing. Maybe for all their concern, they assume that you turned on the music on Shabbos itself, and perhaps that would be something that we should avoid on Shabbos. Okay, you had a question. Yes. We'll get around to everyone. It's okay. Let's look at a tshuva that Shlomo Zalman Arabach has about using a sprinkler system on Shabbos. What do you think? Am I allowed to set my sprinkler to go on Shabbos or not? What would you say? You say no. Why not? Can't water plants on Shabbos sounds like the right answer. However, the Gemara says that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because the Gemara says I set up the system before Shabbos and now it's happening by itself. That's exactly the example that the Gemara gives. However, says our Moshe, maybe you're correct. Because after all, I'm sorry, says Rav Zalman, the sprinkler makes a lot of noise. What the Gemara is describing is not these fancy sprinkler systems that we have today that make a lot of noise. The Gemara is talking about some kind of irrigation system where it slowly drips into the irrigation canal and it's then going to spread the water all around the field throughout the duration of Shabbos. That's allowed. But now, in the sprinkler systems that we have, that is the question that Rav Shlomo Zalman raises. Let's see what he says. I am here in number Yud Ches. It's on page Dalid, the fourth page of what I gave out. I'm sorry that these are so long. I just think it's important because these are things that we're used to seeing 
in our homes all the time, we should just be aware of it. Again, just to re-emphasize, as you very correctly stated, as far as the Sephardim are concerned, this whole discussion is irrelevant because they go with the original Psaq of the Gemara, which is, as long as you set up a system before Shabbos, no need to worry about anything. It's the Ramah who's Machmir and who says we should try as Ashkenazim to be careful to make sure that if something's going to make noise, even if we set it up before Shabbos, we should avoid that. Okay, so now we get to the discussion of a sprinkler system. Says the Shlomo Zalman, Me'ikar adin, muta lahashkos gina v'shabbos, ayidei sha'on shabbat shemafal me'er of Shabbos. As long as I set a Shabbos clock, the sprinkler is going to go off at 10 o'clock at night when nobody's outside. It sounds like it's so loud. Ulam bizmanenu. However, says the Shlomo Zalman, in our generation, kiman she'ein mefur sam haderach shamashkin ba'ofen otomati. Not everybody knows, he says, that my sprinklers are set up automatically. Some people actually go out and turn the sprinklers on, or they flip a switch. So not everybody knows. Hareza Asr Mishum Arasayim. Says Rav Shlomo Zalman, this would be something that we have to avoid nowadays because we have to be concerned of Maris Ayn, that someone is going to see what I'm doing, and they're going to think that I'm doing a malacha which is not permissible. Okay, now, let's say I have something set up where he describes, I have a system set up where it's underneath the ground and then it slowly, you know, has these little spouts all over the place where a very little bit comes out. It doesn't make so much noise. So he wants to know what's the halacha there. Skip down a few lines. If you're going to set up that system in the middle of the night when nobody's outside anyway, then he thinks that would be shari mishim dekala iser humishim chashad. He says, since the whole concern is that maybe people are going to think that I am doing something that I'm not allowed to do, therefore he says, this would be something that as long as you do it in the middle of the night, there would not be any reason to be concerned. Okay. Then, if you look at number Utes, you have the Tzitzeliezer, who also gets involved in this issue about the sprinkler system on Shabbos. And again, the reason why they're very excited about this is because everybody has a backyard. And everybody, not everybody, but lots of people in Israel have a backyard. we got to figure out, is this allowed or not? Do we want all the grass to die because it's not going to be watered over Shabbos? So that is why they're very into this issue. Now, says the Tzitz Eliezer, I don't know what Shlomo Zalman is talking about. Everybody has a sprinkler system that runs by itself. Nobody is going to have any second thoughts about maybe I turn on the sprinkler on Shabbos. And secondly, he says, even the Ramah himself... Even the Ramah himself who said we should be machmir and we should make sure not to run any appliances that are going to make noise. The Ramah himself agrees that Pamakam hefsid meruba. The Ramah agrees that if it's going to cause a loss of money, I'm allowed to run those appliances on Shabbos. And therefore he says, isn't this a hefsid that my grass is going to die if it's not watered? It's very dry outside in Yerushalayim in the sun and in the heat. Or if I live in the Negev and it's very hot outside, if I don't water the plants every day, they're going to die. So he says... Isn't that a hefsid? And therefore, even if you say that we should paskin like the Ramaz Chumrah, that we should make sure not to run any appliances on Shabbos that make noise, it still would not cover this case. I would still say that you're allowed to do it, number one, because everybody knows that sprinklers are set up in advance. Number two, because it's a hefsid merubah, and therefore it should be permissible regardless. Okay? So that's in terms of that question. Yeah. Uh, we'll see some other things. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that should be done. So let's see. We now move to the next issue, which is a dishwasher. Dishwasher is a very important issue because it would make our lives much easier 
if we were able to run the dishwasher on Shabbos. So let's get this clear. Can I ask the non-Jew who works in my house to turn the dishwasher on for me on Shabbos? The answer to that is no. Can I have the dishwasher on a timer where it will turn on itself on Shabbos? Maybe. That's what we're talking about. Maybe. Now, number one, says of Shlomo Zalman, we have to think about this because a dishwasher, he says, most people do not set a dishwasher on a timer. Most people fill up the dishwasher and turn it on. So he says this cannot be considered to be in the same category as the air conditioning or the lights that automatically go on and off and people set them and everybody knows this is not the same. This is very different. That's number one. Number two, aside from that consideration, aside from the fact that most people nowadays do not set a dishwasher on a timer every night, they actually press the buttons. So if somebody walks into my house, they may think that I turned it on on Shabbos. Aside from that, says of Shlomo Zalman, I don't understand. What are you going to do? You're going to open the door of the dishwasher, fill it up with all the utensils that you want to clean, then you're going to close it. When you close it, he said, you're basically completing a circuit. Even though it's not going to go on now. You're closing it now, but then it's going to go on another two hours. It's set to go on much later in the middle of the night. Says of Shlomo Zalman, aren't you completing an electrical circuit by closing the door? Of course, there's a mechanism that stops the dishwasher from being active when the door is open. So the only way to have the dishwasher working is if you close the door. So you are, in essence, facilitating the malacha to happen. Without you closing the door, the malacha would not have happened. And therefore, he says, that's an additional problem above and beyond the issue of the dishwasher making noise. So let's say today when you have a silent dishwasher. There is such a thing. Anybody here have a silent dishwasher? Why well, is that different from the fridge? Like you opening the fridge and the motor has to go off. Different- oh, very good question. Don't we know that when you open the fridge, the motor goes off? So Ramosha addresses that issue. Ramosha says, when you open the fridge, the motor doesn't go off every time. The motor doesn't automatically, and maybe the motor just went off three minutes ago, and therefore it's not going to go. So it may only be a grumma. It's going to take longer. It's going to happen later. And therefore he says, it's not a problem. But here he says, number one, when I close the door of the dishwasher, I am now enabling it to run its cycle. Number two, the problem is that a dishwasher makes a lot of noise. And therefore he says, this would be something that should be avoided on Shabbos. And I think even if we're talking about a silent dishwasher, even if we're talking about a silent dishwasher, the question then becomes, should we allow it or not? I think there are a number of things to consider. Number one, somebody who walks into your house, how silent is silent? When they say a silent dishwasher, I don't have one at home. Anybody here has one in their house? No? I don't know. It could be they're better than they were five years ago when they were first invented. But I have a friend who had a silent dishwasher who told me that he once opened the door while it was going because he didn't realize it was going. So silent, he said, means really silent. You don't hear it at all. Now, I would have hoped that they would make a mechanism that would be a safety mechanism that while the dishwasher is going, I'm sure they do. Whatever. Maybe he got one of the original models, whatever it may have been, but he said his kitchen was flooded because he opened it up as it was going and didn't realize that it was going. I'm sure they've improved that. I'm sure it's not the case anymore. But even if all of that is true, even if it is silent and it really is something that people don't hear when they walk into the room, you still have to worry about the second concern of Rav Shlomo Zalman, which is that maybe every time you're going to be opening and closing it, you may be activating the mechanism and you may be facilitating the malacha to be happening, which he thinks is a problem. So what about a washing machine? 
I've been to people's homes, I'm sorry to say. I've been to people's homes where they have a cleaning woman in the house who's there all the time and who just throws the things into the laundry on Shabbos afternoon because why should she wait until Matzah Shabbos to clean it? It's much easier if I just take care of it now. So they'll take, after the meal is over Shabbos day, they'll take the napkins, they'll take the tablecloth, all the different things, throw it into the, dish, throw it into the washing machine. And what seems clear is that that is something that should not be done. Why? Because somebody who walks into my house and hears the washing machine going does not think that I said it before Shabbos. Number two, to have a non-Jew do malacha for you on Shabbos is not permissible. So that is something that certainly should be avoided. Let's learn it together. The Shmir Shabbos Kachasa writes here. In, where are we? Perak Membez. This is number Chavlav here. On the fifth page. Asr lahafil miba odyom mechonas kvisa. I'm not allowed to turn on a washing machine before Shabbos. So your laundry has to be done before Shabbos begins. Because once Shabbos starts, people are going to hear the laundry machine. People are going to hear the dryer. It makes a lot of noise. And this is something that certainly should be avoided. It says the Shemir Shabbos. Oh, so here's the question. The question that was raised is, what happens when I have a chayal? What happens when I have a soldier who's fighting in the war? And now many of the soldiers get off just for Shabbos. They come home late Friday afternoon, and they have to leave right after Shabbos is over to go back to the base. So many of them get off for Shabbos because they want them to be home with their families, which is very nice. So he comes home with all his laundry. If you're going to tell him to wait to do laundry till after Shabbos, what's going to happen? You won't have time. If you're going to tell him don't do the laundry, that means he's going to go two weeks with dirty laundry out in the field that's not comfortable. So, to allow someone to do malach on Shabbos, this wouldn't be permissible. This is not pikuach nefesh. But, at the same time, this is what we would refer to as a hefzid merubah. So you could throw in the laundry before Shabbos, even though you know that it's going to continue to dry or to wash on Shabbos itself. You'd be allowed to do that because this would certainly be defined as a Hefzid Merubah situation. As a situation where this is a great need. The Chayal comes home just for Shabbos, doesn't have another option of where and when to do his laundry, and therefore we would say this would certainly be permissible um, as many of the postgim discuss. Okay. Question, yeah. So what if, like, for example, if my it would still be the same because it's considered to be in a you know in a situation where if someone were to walk in they would still hear it. Yeah. Good question. Are you allowed to load the dishwasher on Shabbos? Excellent question. What are the issues involved in loading a dishwasher? So, issue number one is, and most primarily the issue is hachana, that I'm preparing for the weekday. I really am going to, load, I'm really going to run the dishwasher cycle on Matzah Shabbos. But in order to save time after Shabbos is over, I may as well put it in now. If that's your intent, it's not allowed. However, if let's say you're like me, and you don't like to have a pile of dishes in the middle of your kitchen, so the reason I'm putting it into the dishwasher is not necessarily because... I want to save myself time on Shabbos. That's one part of it. But the main reason why I'm doing it is because I don't like to have a mess in the kitchen now. And I'm putting it in because 
I want to get rid of the mess right now. So then it would be permissible. So say for example, say for example, making the beds on Shabbos. So are you allowed to make the beds on Shabbos? So it depends. If you're making the beds because tonight when I go to sleep, I want to go to sleep in a nice bed that's made, then you wouldn't be allowed to. That's called hachana. That's preparing for after Shabbos. However, if the reason why I'm making the beds is because I don't like to walk into my room on Shabbos itself when it's a mess, then that would be permissible because I just don't like a mess. It's not enjoyable to have that experience on Shabbos itself. I'm not preparing for tomorrow. I'm doing something which is helping me today. So that would be allowed. Yeah. Would it be considered makom hafsi if clothing like that was seen on it right before Shabbos and you wanted to put it in the washing machine? I would think so. That would also, again, it depends what it is. You have a t-shirt, that whatever, it's uh, you know not so expensive anyway. But yes, if you have something that is going to get ruined, then for sure we would say that. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's a good point. Okay. Anyone ever heard of the whole issue of generators? In Israel, generators are a big, big issue. What's the story with generators? Why do some communities have generators? So I go to Camp Simcha in the summer. We have generators because we can't take a risk of the electricity going out when you have kids who are on a trach and a vent and all kinds of different machinery where they need to have electricity. So we need to have a generator because we need to have a generator for medical purposes and every medical facility has a generator. Why is it that in B'nai Brak, many of the private homes have generators? It's not because everybody has medical needs. The reason why is because in Israel, the electric companies are running on Shabbos and there are Jews who work there. So there are many machmirim in Yerushalayim and B'nai Brak who say, how can you have hana? how can you have benefit from malacha that is being done on Shabbos by the Jews who are working in the factory, in the electrical company on Shabbos itself, how can I derive benefit from that when a Jew is doing the malacha? If you have non-Jews doing it, maybe there's what to talk about. But if I have a Jew running the plant, if I have a Jew sitting and providing my electricity on Shabbos, that is something that should not be permissible. And that is why many places in B'nai Brak and Yerushalayim refuse to use the regular electric lines on Shabbos and they put everything on a separate independent generator that will give them electricity without having to go back to the company to generate that electricity. Okay, that's the reason why they do that. So, it all sounds very nice, but what about the fact that the generator makes a lot of noise? You ever heard a generator while it's running? It makes a lot of noise. So isn't that a bigger problem? I understand. You're trying to save yourself from getting benefit from the Jews who are going to be working in the electrical company. However, they're having a problem on the other end. The problem on the other end is that now you're using a you're using a mechanism which is going to make so much more noise because the generator makes a lot of noise. So what do you do about that? The Chazonish said so beautifully, Ha generator tzoek Shabbat. That was the famous line of the Chazonish. Everybody knows what's the reason why we have a generator. It's not because we're so wealthy and we always want to have electricity to make sure if anything goes out. The only reason why we have a generator is because we care about Shabbos. Because we don't want people doing malacha for us on Shabbos. And therefore he said, the very nature of a generator is ha generator tzoeik Shabbat. The generator has Shabbos written all over it. You can't say that because the generator makes noise, therefore it should be a problem of running a machine on Shabbos, running an appliance on Shabbos that's noisy like you have by the air conditioner, by the washing machine, by the refrigerator, by anything else. This is not the same. The only reason why I have this is because I want to make sure that nobody is Mechal Shabbos. So he says the whole definition of a generator on Shabbos in our private homes 
is something that everybody automatically understands is only because I respect Shabbos so much and I don't want to violate Shabbos and I don't want anyone else to violate either. And therefore, excuse me, therefore says the Chazonish, that is why a generator would be no problem at all. There are some who leave on a TV or a radio in their house when they see that there's some kind of game that's going to be taking place on Shabbos and they say, we're not going to do any malacha, of course. All I'm going to do is sit on the couch and watch. Or all I'm going to do is make sure that it's recorded on Shabbos. I'm going to set up the whole system before and make sure that it's going to be recorded so that after Shabbos I can see the game. Is that permissible or not? Rav Moshe Feinstein has a discussion about it and he says, of course, Rav Moshe doesn't say this, but of course, if you live in Eretz Yisrael today and the security establishment tells you you live in one of these southern communities and you have to leave the radio on, you have to leave your whatever, then of course, that's not what we're talking about. That's Bikuach Nefesh, you have to do whatever you're told to do. What we're talking about here is somebody who just doesn't want to miss the football game. Somebody who doesn't want to miss the basketball game and they leave it on, either on the radio or on a TV. Is that permissible? Moshe says, absolutely not. Mitamzeh, Asr Lahamid Be'erav Shabbos, radio, but television, Kedei Le'eros, for the Shema B'Shabbos. Moshe says, for a number of reasons, you would not be allowed to have a radio or a television left on for Shabbos because, number one, Primarily, it is Zilzul Shabbos. Zilzul Shabbos You're going to leave a TV or a radio on on Shabbos to watch the game. That is not the way Shabbos was meant to be spent. Number two, the reason why you can't leave it on is because somebody who walks by is going to hear your TV on. What's the normal way in which a TV is turned on? Normally, we don't set the TV on a timer that it should go on at a certain time in our house. Normally, you turn the TV on when you want to watch something. You turn the radio on when you want to listen to something. And therefore, Moshe says, this would be something that certainly is not advisable on Shabbos because that would be exactly what the Ramah writes here as a violation of Hashmah's call. That is running an appliance on Shabbos which is definitely going to make noise. It's going to make enough noise that anybody who hears it can potentially assume that this was turned on on Shabbos itself and a malacha was performed in doing so. Yes, question. 